I invite you to turn with me to Numbers chapter 13, and, uh, and later we'll jump into Joshua 14 as well in the message. And so we're going to look tonight, and just uh, as we look at the Word of God, I just want to just encourage us as a church as we begin this new year to really to see beyond what we think is possible. What we really think is, is uh, we're able to do, but just to see what God can do when we let Him and stop trusting our own abilities. About 350 years ago, a ship a load of travelers landed on the northeast coast of America. And as uh, that first year they established a town site, the next year they elect, elected a town government, the third year the town government planned to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness, and in the fourth year the people tried to impeach their own town government because they thought it was a waste of public funds to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. What happened? At one point they had a vision, they said, man, we can travel uh, 2,000 miles to be able to plant a, a city, but... Somehow or another, they got to a place where they had lost the vision that they could continue to grow. You know, I think as a church that we've got to continue to push forward. And as we look at, at Caleb's life, life, I'm so thankful that uh, we see a man of great vision. A man that saw beyond the giants. He saw beyond the, the possible defeat. And he saw by faith the reality that God can do the impossible. And as we look at Numbers uh, chapter 13, uh, we see that Caleb was a man who here who's introduced to us for the first time and later again in Joshua. And in some comparison to some Bible characters, uh, there's not a lot written about him. But in the situations we find him, we see a man of great vision. He was introduced as a man of about, at about 40 years old here in the text. And uh, he was a ruler among the tribes of Judah. And he, along with 11 other uh, men, were singled out to go and spy out the land of Canaan and bring a report to Moses and the people. When the ten spies brought back a, a report full of fear, seeing only what could be done in human power and ability, we see Caleb and Joshua brought back a report that illustrated they saw beyond the things that uh, the other ten thought were possible because they saw what God could do. You know, uh, unfortunately, the people of Israel listened to, those, to the evil report of the spies. You remember as a kid singing that song? Twelve men went to spy on Canaan, ten were bad and two were good. Do you all remember this? All right, so some are yes and some are no. All right, so we think about that. I, the whole time I was working on this message, all I could think was ten, twelve men went to spy on Canaan, ten were bad and two were good. All right, so maybe by the end of this, uh, we'll teach it to all of you. But we see that a result of their faithlessness, God took them back into the wilderness for 40 years of wandering. Caleb and Joshua were, were the only two that, that, uh, in that entire generation that, were, uh, and that survived the wilderness wanderings. When they came back to Canaan, Caleb shows up again in Joshua 14, and this time he's 85 years old, and he and Joshua would have been the oldest people in Israel. Imagine that. If you're 85 or thereabouts, you would have been the oldest people in this group of folks. And in, in just about that time, we see that he was still full of faith. He was still full of vision. He was still full of the knowing that God had the ability to move and to work. At this time, just like he did there, a matter of fact, just very quickly, Joshua 14 and verse number 12 says this, Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. A man full of faith. The Anakims were the, the Canaanites that intimidated the other ten spies. They said they, we felt like grasshoppers in their, their sides. We were like giants. 
But he saw beyond what, the, what man could do because he saw what God could do. He saw the impossible. And as we look a little closer at Numbers 13, I want you, us as a church to catch a vision to see what God can do when we fully surrender and we say, God, this is what, this is what I believe that you can do in our church. This is what I believe you can do in our, our community. This is what I believe you can do in our marriage. This is what I believe you can do in our home. And, and I believe that God is the God of the impossible tonight. And as a church, I just want to encourage us along those lines. And so Numbers chapter 13, we're going to look at, uh, at this together. Numbers 13, 1 through 3, we're going to skip over the reading of the names, uh, and then we'll pick up again in verses 17 through 20. In verse number 1, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of uh, Paran unto those men. Uh, all those men were heads of the children of Israel. And we're going to fast forward a little bit to verse number 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that, dwell, uh, that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring the fruit of the land. Now the time of, uh, of the, was the time of the first, uh, first ripe grapes. And let's stop and pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of the word tonight. We thank you for uh, just the, the courage and, the uh, Lord, just a reminder here this, this evening that you are the God of the impossible. And help us, Lord, to be able to see beyond just these, the, what we can do, humanly speaking, and to see uh, what you see. Lord, help us to be led by you and to be and choose to follow you in our homes, our lives, Lord, in our church here in this community. And so, Father, we just uh, turn to you now and ask you that you teach us, grow us, model us, and help us to surrender to you now. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I think there's, there's three things here that I want to just pull out from the text tonight that, that, that are necessary for us as a people to, to be able to uh, see beyond the possible and to see uh, what God intends for us to see and to be able to follow that vision for our lives. And, and so to be, see, be able to see beyond the possible requires a great faith but it also requires that we must re resist apathy and respond fearlessly. So let's look first at what about this issue of requiring faith. And if you look at Numbers 13, we find that the children of Israel were at the doorstep of Canaan. This was the place that they had spent 400 years dreaming about while they were slaves in Egypt. Now, if you're, if you're new to the faith, I just, or if you're like me and you've got a short-term memory with a long-term loss... I want to back up a little bit, and I want to kind of give you some of the backdrop of the story, because in Genesis chapter 12, God called Abraham out of the earth of the Chaldees and into this place that he said one day would belong to him. He called it the promised land. And, and this had been the promise for his descendants, and his descendants would be as the sand of the sea, as the stars of the sky. He said there would be so many that nobody could count them, but it would be something that would come later, as well as the land itself. The promise was repeated to Isaac and then later to Jacob, and, and who was later named Israel by God. During the life of Jacob, we find that the land of Canaan and, and most of the then-known world was suffering from an intense drought. Jacob's son, Joseph, who was sold into slavery, became one of the rulers of Egypt, 
where God had prepared a way to preserve the people of Israel by His careful planning. And God used Joseph, and God used that time in Egypt there for His plan and purpose. And so the Bible teaches us that Joseph's misfortunes were in reality God's way of protecting and providing on a much larger scale. And listen, sometimes he still uses the same things in our life, doesn't he? Sometimes we look at all of our, our, the bad things that are going on and we say, Lord, why do you allow bad things to happen to me? Haven't I served you? Haven't I been faithful? And Lord, how come these things are happening? But let me just remind you that we can trust God. Amen. That's an exclamation mark right there. We can trust God. I'll always. And so we see that God used this provision and, uh, that, uh, that He had established in Egypt to preserve Jacob and all of his children and this, this group that He had pre- preserving for Himself and He had set apart and He was uh, using to be, uh, to be His chosen people. And so we see that even in the Old Testament, even that many years ago, that God was working a tremendous work and, and, and preserving and protecting and providing, even when they didn't see the big picture. Listen, they, they couldn't see what we see. We have the completed Word of God. We see the whole, the, the whole thing, but they didn't see it all. They just had to trust God by faith. And unfortunately, we see that while they were in Egypt, they spent 400 years in Egypt, initially as, as a privilege of Joseph and the Pharaoh, but eventually as slaves. And they spent a lot of time in slavery there. And, and God left them a promise when uh, Joseph died and that there would be one that would return to, to draw them out of the land of Egypt and into Canaan. And so in their hard labor and in their bondage, they cried out to God uh, for the promise of the deliverer to be fulfilled. And God heard their cries. And I'm just so thankful that in the midst of all that we go through, that God does not turn a deaf ear to broken hearts. God does not turn a deaf ear to things when, uh, to us when things are difficult. And trust me, this is probably more difficult than anything we've been through. They experienced babies that were murdered. They experienced hard labor without an ending, without any ending. They experienced times uh, of famine. They experienced all kinds of, of, of destruction and poverty at the hands of Pharaoh. And I'm so thankful that God is the great shepherd. Psalms 23 talks about that. And that, yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. We can walk with him through that. And so through all of this that God has brought Israel through, God has been faithful along the way. And in the midst of this hard labor, in the midst of the the severe bondage, God brings deliverance, but not through traditional means. There wasn't an army that came in and, and brought the nukes in and destroyed things and, and then they brought the children of Israel out and rescued them. It didn't work like that. Instead, God brought ten plagues and eventually He destroyed the army of Pharaoh by, through, in the Red Sea. Amen. Listen, what Moses tried to do by himself, he accomplished by killing one, uh, one uh, soldier of Pharaoh. What God did was He obliterated the entire army. The, the most massive, incredible army that we know of at that time was obliterated by God, proving that He is God, not Pharaoh. Nobody else was God, or just God alone. But as they left Egypt, and as they were able to leave, Exodus chapter 12 and verse number 38 reminds us that it was with a mixed multitude. It says, And a mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks and herds and even much cattle. You see, there was a, a, a group of people that maybe had seen those, those miracles and said, listen, uh, 
if this, if, you know, if this miracle happened and this miracle happened and there was frogs and there was blood and there was flies and there was all of these things that Moses said, then surely even the Passover lamb would, uh, is also needed in this regard. And, and essentially they found themselves thrust out with the children of Israel. And when God led them to the edge of the Red Sea, we find that the multitude began to murmur. And it was just the beginning of the murmurings. Could you imagine being with Moses? Now, I don't know how well that they, the text doesn't tell us how well that they knew the area, but they probably were fairly familiar with the, the layout, geographic area. You know, e even if it was a vague recognition, they would probably be thinking, what is Moses doing going this way? He's going to have us trapped with the Red Sea, then we'll have to go up and around. Why don't you just stop and ask for directions, right, ladies? You know, and we think about that, and we think, think just humanly speaking, if I was to put myself in, in one of his followers' shoes, I'd think, what in the world was he thinking? But God had a plan in all of this. And listen, God is always at work. We can trust His hand and we can trust Him. Even when we don't always see and we don't always understand, we can always trust that God is at work and He has our interest at heart. I'm so thankful that God is not a God that cares only for Himself, but He cares for you and me. And in the wilderness, even as we saw the destruction of Pharaoh's army, as they went into the wilderness, they saw God provide manna. And then they saw God provide quail, even in just a few chapters earlier in Numbers 11, where, where they were in such large quantities that the Bible says it was running out of their nose. I've never eaten that much meat in all of my life, and I hope I never do. I just, I just, just in reality, they just God provided for them in every way. Even water, when they were walking through the desert and there was no good water, God told Moses to strike the rock and there was enough water for probably upwards of a million people. This is not a little trickle of a stream like I envisioned as a child. You know, when I heard this story as a kid, I envisioned like this little bubbly mountain stream or little thing that came out of the rock, you know. No, no, we're, we're talking massive amounts of water that God brought forth. This is the kind of God that they had witnessed. This is the kind of God that Israel had seen over and over and over. And listen, we serve the same God today. We serve the same mighty God. We serve the same God who is still sitting on the throne, who, who says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. We serve the same God in 2020 as they did back in that day. And let me just remind you, church, let's not get down in the mouth because we still live, serve a living God today. And so... If we're careful to take note of the miracles of, and the answers to prayer in our life, we will see that, that God is still at work in the lives and the hearts of, of men today. And we can trust Him as a church. And if he, he leads us, we know He's going to provide for us. And if He directs us, we know that He's going to be in it. And we know that He's going to be able to overcome any obstacle that we may face. You see, God's desire for us is to follow Him. God's desire for me and you is that no matter how fearful it may seem at the time, He wants us to be reminded of what He's done in the past so that we'll have confidence and faith to move forward in the future. And so this brings us all the way to Numbers chapter 13 and 14. They've reached the promised land. This is what they'd been dreaming about. They'd talk to each other at the well in Egypt as they're gathering water as, uh, to make their mud uh, bricks and, and they, as they were gathering straw. Do you imagine what Canaan's going to be like? No more taskmasters, no more worrying about Pharaoh's army, no more worrying about this or that. It's going to be Canaan. The Bible, or we're told it's a milk of, of, of a land with flowing with milk and honey, a place where there's joy and God provides for us. Man, that's Canaan. I can't wait to go there. It's like we all want to go to Hawaii, you know, this time of year especially. I just want to go there. 
You know, they've reached the promised land. This is, this is what they had been anticipating. This is what they had been dreaming about for over 400 years. And they were finally at the doorstep of this incredible place. And this is the place they've been told of their parents, by their grandparents, by their great-grandparents. It's a place that God had promised them. It was a place where God would have them settle and to truly be a nation and be established in the eyes of other kingdoms. And here they come and they send in spies. I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 1 with me. Because I'm sure that as they approached this moment and as they came on the doorstep of, of this place, that there was a mix of emotions. They knew that the land was theirs, but as they looked across the Jordan River, there was obviously people in the land at this time. It was not empty. There, there was people there, and so, you know, I'm sure that they're thinking, well, how are we supposed to go into the land if people are there? How can we, as a, as a people living in tents, and they've been slaves for 400 years, only been out for a short time, just months now, and, and, and how are we supposed to know how to even fight a battle on our own? So I want you to see that faith originates in the Lord tonight, and number, Deuteronomy chapter number 1 and verse number 19. And when we, and, uh, when we departed from Horeb, we went through all that great and terrible wilderness, which you saw by the way of the mountain of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us, and we came to Kadesh Barnea. Now, I want to kind of give you the context of Deuteronomy 1. is the same he's sharing about Numbers chapter 13. And, he's, and I said unto you, You're come unto the mount of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth give unto us. Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it as the Lord thy, uh, of thy fathers, excuse me, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath said unto thee, Fear not, neither be discouraged. And he came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us, and they shall search out the land, and bring us word again by what way we must go up, and into what cities we shall come. And the saying pleased me well, and I took twelve men of you, one of a tribe. Now I want to just stop real quick, because if you look back at Numbers 13, and verses 1 and 2, and then Deuteronomy here, it, it is parallel passages, and God begins to really to under, help us to understand a little bit more about what is going on. And so this passage actually helps shed light on Numbers 13 and verse number 2. In verse number 2 it says, Send thou men that they may search out the land of Canaan. It seems like God is speaking here. And so as it says, it, it gives us a completion of the thought of all that's going on and the story that's happening. Because God's desire was for the children of Israel to obey Him. Period. End. Well, they thought it would be a good idea to send in spies. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter number one, where we were looking, they said, and, and you sit and uh, in verse, no, verse number 19, 20, 21, 22, and you came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us. And the next verse, number 23, and the saying pleased me well. Notice that it wasn't necessarily God that desired to send the spies, it was their own ideas, their own desire to send in the spies. You see, because God's intent was for them to simply enter the promised land, trusting that He had their very best intent designed for them already. 
Listen, if, if God was directing them to this land and had told Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and had been reminding them of this promise through, through the, the time of slaves, that, that this is the promised land, this is the land flowing with milk and honey, this is the land I prepared for you, then let me tell you, it was the perfect place for them and God had set them at a perfect time, at the right time, to be able to, to take possession of it. Listen, all he wanted was for them to walk forward and to take it to march forward, to cross the Jordan River, and to see God do a miracle time after time after time again. As a matter of fact, I looked in Joshua, just to refresh my memory, and throughout Joshua, you never see where he sent spies except the two spies into Jericho. He never, he never did what Moses did here. Their journey had been a journey of faith all along the way. God had been performing miracles. God had been doing incredible things all along the way, strengthening their faith. And I'm thankful that God does that for us. Isn't it exciting when God grows us incrementally and God lets us see a little miracle? I remember Pastor Tolbert told me when he first took the church, the church had, I want to say, $800 worth of debt. Was that right? Something around $800 worth of debt. And he, he says, and I remember having $800 worth of debt and wanting so bad to pay that off. And someone gave, a, gave an offering and we got that paid off and we thought, hallelujah, we got that paid off. Man, I, I'm excited to be able to say in 2019, we paid over $200,000 off on our building loan. Let me say that our, our building loan right now is below $300,000. Now, if you're new to Hillside, that's an awesome thing. We were started at $1.2 million, and we're just excited about what God is able to do. And I would just want to give God the glory for that. Man, God is good. And, and what I see here is that, that $800 seemed like a mountain back in 1983. $1.2 million seemed like a mountain in 2009. But God is good. And God is faithful. And, and sometimes we don't always, always understand how God is going to work it out. And, you know, when, when we were looking at that, I, I know personally, when I was looking at that $1.2 million uh, price tag, and it was more than that for the building, I just remember thinking... God, this has got to be you. Remember where we were economically. Remember, that's when everything seemed to be down. If you were in building, you remember very vividly how hard it was to get work. It was a tough time. But God was faithful. God blessed the faithfulness of His people. And we have seen God just do tremendous things. And listen, if God has done those good things in the past, guess what He's got for us in the future? If we can look backwards and say, look what God has done in the past, guess what God's going to do in the future? Man, if we can look back and say, man, God has done uh, amazing things, let us have the faith to be able to say that God is going to continue to do amazing things going forward. I like what J. Vernon McGee said. He said, it was not God's idea to send spies into the land. The sending in of the spies denoted a weakness and a fear on, a part, on the part of the people. There was a fear that maybe they wouldn't be able to take the land. It was so easy for them to rationalize and decide on spies as a matter of wisdom. May I say here, we cannot realm, operate on the realm of the seen. We must trust the realm of the unseen. We must trust God. We must see beyond what is possible and trust Him. You see, this is the realm that God blesses when we walk by faith and not by sight. When we give a tithe or we give to missions or we, oper we, listen, we operate by faith, trusting that as we give or as we go, that God is going to bless those efforts far greater with that 90% or 80% than He would have with 100%. Listen, because faith moves forward. 
We've got to continue to go forward as a church. Remember, God had already been in the land. This was not something new. He wasn't like, oh, yeah, that's Canaan. I was wondering what it looked like. You know, this was not his first time there. He already knew about it. He knew the problems. He knew the giants. He knew the difficulties. He knew the blessings. And his instructions was to simply enter the land. And Psalms 37, verse number 5 says, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Church, that's got to be our motto. Commit our way unto the Lord. And trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Let's just trust him as we go forward. Listen, the children of Israel went a, a place that God called them to move forward. But by fear, they balked. By fear, they said, listen, we can't do this. The giants are too big. Uh, the, the cities are too great. There's no way we can do this. But we're in a place where God is calling us to move forward. He's brought us along and He's shown Himself powerful. And He has demonstrated His ability to perform in our life in miraculous ways. Let me just, just make this statement. Many people talk about walking uh, and living and just uh, by faith. Some people will tell you all you got to do is believe. And you may even uh, hear commercials that say you just have to, have, need to have faith and it will all work out. These, these are popular sayings for people today. Even in the secular world, just believe. It will be all right. Just have faith. But listen, if you have faith in the wrong thing, it does you no good. If you have faith in something that is fruitless, then it's not going to do you any good. Then, for example, the story of Enron, the Enron Corporation depicts a company that reached dramatic heights, and, 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 but it fell so quickly. As a matter of fact, in Enron's peak, its shares were worth $90.75. When they declared bankruptcy on December 2, 2001, they were trading at $0.26. Cents. Listen, one of the guys' name was Clifford Baxter. He was probably the most infamous executives of the, of the time during the Enron scandal. And, and Clifford had faith in his ability to be able to fabricate the results the investors and the shareholders wanted. But listen, he found that he couldn't live the lie any longer. Committed suicide and the, the company went belly up. It was just a terrible deal. What is your faith in? People have faith, but it's not simply faith. What is your faith grounded in? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But God talks about the faith that saves is rooted in Christ. In Christ alone. Listen, we can go forward in our own abilities. We can go forward in our own talents and our own merits and our own uh, uh, savvy and our own cleverness. But let me tell you, it won't do us any good if it's not grounded in the Lord. No amount of financial stability, no amount of clever wit or good deeds or anything of our own power will save. What can wash away my sin? What is it, church? What can make me whole again? Amen. There's nothing but the blood of Jesus. There were those that left Egypt with the Israelites. God called a mixed multitude. Maybe their faithlessness. Maybe the fact that they hadn't seen God perform and God work and they didn't grow up with it. Maybe this mixed multitude uh, shared their faithlessness. And let me just say that our, our faithlessness is, uh, will affect those around us. We see when they went to the mountain Sinai. And as Moses was 40 days and 40 nights up on the mountain, talking with God and getting the Ten Commandments, 
We see that, that multitude and had swayed even others and even Aaron who would later be the high priest which is another beautiful picture of God's mercy and grace but had persuaded them to make a golden calf and they bowed down and worshipped to it and said this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. Listen, their faithlessness was contagious. Hillside Baptist Church, we've written into our constitution and bylaws articles for church membership. And our membership is a membership that has been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Our membership is a membership that has been baptized scripturally according to the Word of God. Our membership uh, is founded upon the doctrines of the Word. When we are placed together with a common purpose, and we're here together with this unity of faith and purpose to help us follow the vision that God has called for us to fulfill. Let's be intentional this year about growing together. Let's be intentional about making sure that we're engaging in, in Sunday school. Make sure we're intentional in reading God's Word and, and intentional about attending services so that we can grow together. And you, know, you know, I'm thankful that we were able to do a little live stream service this morning. But there's nothing like being able to rub shoulders with the brethren. Man, there's nothing like this tonight. And let me just, you know, just encourage you, uh, just make that decision. This year I'm going to be faithful to God in the, in the house of the Lord and grow in Him. Trust Him. Trust Him today, because when you allow God to uh, let you see the impossible, then you are beginning to see beyond the possible. We also see that if we're honest with ourselves, we would have to say that following God is not for the faint of heart. Amen? It's not for those who are weak. It's not, it, is for those, uh, who, uh, it is not for those that are indifferent or those who are fearful. It is for those who are full of faith, because following God is for those who are ready to press forward and resist apathy in their life. Because, listen, apathy comes when we are fearful. So this is a couple of encouragements I see. Uh, in Numbers 13, I want you to look there with me. We're going to read some more scripture together in just a moment. But God calls us to follow men of faith. Follow men, uh, and especially if we look here, God allowed them to have their way. He allowed them to, to, uh, to send men into Canaan to spy out the land. But He gave them instructions as to what kind of men that they should, should, should choose. In verse number 2, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler uh, among them. So God called these men rulers. They were, they were some decision makers. They helped in matters of decision making and conflict resolution. They've been men that uh, probably had shown their evidence in trusting God completely. And if we take a look at Numbers 13, at the testimony of these men that spied out the land, we'll see that, that maybe they, they missed the mark somewhere. Look at Numbers 13 and verse number 21. So, so, when they, so they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin and to Rehob, uh, and the men came to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came to Hebron, where Ahiman and Shishiah and Talmai and the children of Anak were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came into the brook of Eshcol and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. And the place was called the brook Eshcol because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching the land after forty days. 
26. And they went and came unto Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. Now this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. In verse 30, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well over to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come of giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight." As we see the testimony of two different groups of men, Joshua and Caleb, the other ten, it is a stark contrast of, of really of men of faith and men of fear. The world is full of godless examples. The world is full of people that, that uh, they want you to follow. Turn on uh, um, any uh, television show tonight, and they say, we want you to model your life after this guy. We want you to model your life after that gal. But are they worthy? I'm thankful for godly men. I'm thankful for godly men who've lived the, the walk, who have been faithful, who have, who have not just uh, talked the talk, but they've walked it. I'm thankful that God's given us uh, men in this very room that we can look to and say, thank you for walking as God would have you to walk. The Apostle Paul stated this in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. God has given us faithful men that we can look to, that we can be encouraged to follow. And from those men of faith, even from those men of faith in Hebrews 11, those are great examples for us to look to and be encouraged to continue. And Caleb was one such example. And we find him standing in the midst of all the chaos that's going on. Because in my mind's eye, I just picture these ten spies and maybe other 70 elders or maybe the other, the congregation is there saying, we saw these giant grapes and they bore them between two men. And we saw these, uh, all these wonderful figs and all these, these great things. But then, and then he says, but the children of Anak are there. Well, y'all know who they, that is. Well, you know that they're giants. You, you, you know, we, they're, we're, as a matter of fact, he elaborates in verse number 33, we're just but grasshoppers in their sight. There was no faith in this, in this but Caleb, and full of faith, he stilled the people and said, let us go up at once. What a great testimony. What a great man of God. As a matter of fact, look at Numbers chapter 14 and verses 6 through 9. I want you to see more what he says. And Joshua, the son, uh, Joshua 14, 6. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rinsed their clothes, and they spake unto the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from them. 
and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. What a great testimony. What a great moment for, for the children of Israel to follow someone who had great faith. If we're going to see beyond the impossible, if we're going to be willing to, to resist apathy, we must see, find men who are godly men that we can look up to and follow their example, but we must ultimately focus on Jesus Christ. The same 12 men saw the same things. As they went through this land that 40, uh, for 40 days, they, they saw the same things. They experienced the same things, but there were contrasting reports. Ten saw what they, only what they could do. They saw the giants. They saw the fortified cities. They saw their inability to fight battles. They saw their rudimentary weapons. Yet Caleb and Joshua saw beyond the possibilities of, of what they were going through because they focused on God. He says, only rebel you not against the Lord. Verse number 8, if the Lord delight in us, He, not we, He, you see, they focused on everything the Lord had. And when your battles and your giants seem as if they're greater than you, let me be reminded, or let me remind you, they are. The battles that you face, the giants that are in your life, they're bigger than you. But I'm thankful that, that, that God reminds us that greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. I'm grateful that Ephesians reminds us in Ephesians 3.20, Now unto Him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above, any, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. That same power works in us today. And, and, and the same thing that goes on in Philippians 4.13, uh, when we feel like we can't overcome, let me remind you, I can do all things through Christ. Listen, we serve a God who can today as a church. And, and the first of this year, and on, on a cold night especially, because I don't know about you, but the cold makes me ap apathy, yeah, apathetic. But I just want to remind you that we serve a God who can. I want to serve a God who will. Because the children of Israel, when they looked at, at Caleb, they, they saw and they looked at the report from all of these spies, they became fearful. But let us not be fearful. Let us be able to sing, He is able, He is able, I know He is able, I know my God is able to carry me through. Let us be reminded that God is able. And so how do we respond? If I'm going to see beyond the possible, I've got to be able to respond fearlessly. When we have this kind of faith, we see beyond the impossibilities, and it's time to respond to God immediately and fearlessly. J. Vernon McGee said this, when you are afraid and you have lost your faith, difficulties and problems are magnified. Listen, look, if we look back, looked in Numbers chapter 14, I'm, very briefly, I want to look at a couple more verses tonight as we finish up. Numbers chapter 14 and verses 1 through 5. It says, as they heard the report, the two reports, the same reports that you and I just heard, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? They hadn't even fought a battle yet. They hadn't even lost a person, and, and they're already crying out in defeat. And yet, look at Joshua's response. We've read part of it. We read most of it already. 
in, in verse number 8, I just want to r- remind you of this. I love what he says. If the Lord delight in us, then He will bring us into this land. You see, we're going to see beyond the, beyond the possible, beyond what we think we're able to do. We've got to be able to respond to God fearlessly. I'm not saying that there's not going to be fear, but I am saying that we've got to press forward. I'm saying that we've got to be able to, by faith, say that, God, though I'm fearful, I'm going to trust you above the fear. And though, as a church, that we don't always understand how it's going to work out, we're going to continue pressing forward by faith, knowing that, Lord, your will and your, your perfect will will be done. Caleb desired to fearlessly move forward, trusting that God would eliminate all the obstacles that stood in their way. God always blesses a response of faith. God blessed Joshua. And God blessed Caleb. They were the only two that entered the promised land. The others wandered in the wilderness and died in the wilderness. Their bones, who knows where they are today. But let me tell you that Joshua and Caleb today, they're resting in the promised land. Man, what a glorious thought today. That that when we respond in faith that God can do amazing things in your, in your family, in your relationships. And let me just remind you, if husband, wife, that God can do amazing things in your marriage if you will commit your way to Him. Church, God can do amazing things in our church when we commit our way unto Him and trust Him as we go forward. Because Hebrews eleven six 6 reminds us, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So I urge you, I urge us as a church, Let's respond fearlessly to the will of God in our life. Let's be willing to move forward by faith. And though we don't always understand, and though we don't always understand how it's going to work out, how it's going to, how it's going to, uh, how, if it's going to overcome, or what's going to work, uh, what's going to happen. Let me just remind you in Romans eight thirty one. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, read it for me. Who can be against us? Let us stand in these last days. In the days where we see, and, and I feel that, and sense that we are on the precipice of Christ's return, of that glorious rapture of the church, but we're not done. It's not time to just say, all right, we're just waiting on it, twiddling our thumbs. We've got a lot to do. We've still got a, a lost world around us, a world that is increasingly turning their back upon the Lord, and a world that's increasingly more persecuting Christians. And let us continue by, to, to be men of faith who will lead our families, who will lead our homes, who will serve in the church and lead our children. Let's, let's faithful women arise who will teach and model godliness for the next generation. Let children arise who will be obedient to their mother and father, and that, that their, their actions will honor them and their attitude as well. Let each of us see beyond the possibilities of what this world offers and see what God can do. You see, because today you may have come with a lot of doubts. You may have questions about God's ability and how God can move and, and lead. And, and maybe you're not sure how God is going to work in your life next. But let me remind you, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, then, then there's nothing that can stand against us when we're serving Him. May we be like Caleb. Man, if, we, if the Lord delight in us, there's nothing that can stand in our way. Let me just remind you that we, we as a church and individually, let's walk by faith and not by sight.